This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, business storytellers. How's it going? Christoph Trapp here. Another live stream recording of the Business Storytelling Podcast. Um, As you know, we love to do these switcher studios. Check them out. Um, They help us produce them. Super easy to do on your iPad. There's the code if you want to use it on the screen. Today, uh, we are live streaming to Periscope, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Um, Always have to look at my dashboard here to make sure it's all triggering. And of course, we're on all the different podcast channels down the road. So depending where you're listening or watching, make sure you also subscribe on the other channels. Today, we want to talk about uh, PR and social media. How can the two work together um, and how, you know, how can they make things easier? So today's guest is Deirdre, Deirdre Breckenridge. She's a CEO and expert on the topic, uh, wrote a book. We'll have the link in the show notes. Let's bring her on the show here. How's it going? It's going really well. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate you coming on. And we connected through, uh, through Twitter, correct? Yes. I mean, you can certainly build relationships through Twitter. And I always tell people, I, I love connecting with people on Twitter because, you know, you said something smart and I thought we need to share this on the show. Prefer that much better than getting a pitch of a 14 page email. Somebody <laughs> saying, come on the show, you know, check out my book. And, you know, you, you certainly stood out on Twitter um, and especially with your thought leadership content. So let's talk about PR and social media. Uh, I, they're so different, but why, why are they going together and, and, and what's important to keep in mind? How do we uh, think of them together? So it's really interesting that you said that they're so different. And that's probably one of the reasons why PR didn't embrace social media in the beginning. So if you think about it, in public relations, it's all about relationship building, storytelling, helping companies to make those uh, connections, its reputation. What better way than Mm -hmm. to use social media for your brand, to forge relationships, to get brand awareness, to engage with people, and to have real relationships. But of course, we also learned that through social media, you have to be authentic in your storytelling and you have to, you know, it's not just putting your spokesperson out there. So there was a big learning curve, but in the end, there's a lot of alignment and social media is an extension. Uh, It's a wonderful way channels and communities to really build your brand and build relationships. So that's why it's such a connection. I mean, I, I'm in no disagreement with you at all. I mean, I certainly, you know, I mean, that's how we connected. That's how I connect with a lot of people. Uh, on the other hand, I find social media also very um, strenuous sometimes. I don't know if that's the right term, but everybody has an opinion. Nobody understands that they don't have to leave a comment on every little thing. I mean, seriously. And let's yeah. not even get into politics here. But, you know, I mean, people, everybody's just like jumping on everything. 
Um, so how do we, so when we talk, when you talk about PR, let's define that. I mean, are you talking about ERD media, um, other coverage? Like, like what's your definition? Okay, so public relations, yes. It, a lot of people know it through earned media. It's, uh, they think of it as publicity, but there's so much more. Public relations is involved in your brand. It is your strategic communications that helps you with your customers. It's also employee communications. It's media relations, community relations, analyst relations. So think of any group that you want to build a relationship with Public relations is a way to use strategic communications to connect, engage. It's also, it's the bridge to the group, but it's also a way to listen and to really understand and translate back how the public or, or any public is feeling about your brand. So it serves a really important function. And of course, with everybody on social media, it's a lot noisier to make the connections and to share. So yes, I can certainly understand about it being strenuous. I think we all get fatigue over a lot of the noise that are in our communities today. There certainly is a lot of noise, but there's also a lot of value out there. Uh, so this, of course, has to do with how modern communicators need to uh, need to talk to our audiences. And um, that is Deirdre's book. You want to check that out. Answers for the Modern Communicator, a Guide to Effective Business communication. There it is. She just had it happened to have it handy. Um, the show, the link is in the show notes uh, on Twitter. It's unfortunately not, so you'll have to just go to Amazon and um, find it right there. So when you talked about PR though, like reaching groups, so it came to my mind. I grew up as a journalist. We were the newspaper, right? Like we were it. Like if the police department wanted to get something out, they just got it. They had to get it to me. And I got right. it out, right? And today they just do Facebook, Twitter. They still send things out, of course. Um, and now there's so many different niches and verticals and, and publications. I mean, PR has changed a lot, I oh would assume, God. from that perspective. Absolutely. So when I grew up in PR, I remember our hot technology was the fax machine. <laughs> and as an intern, you know, my job would be to look at these big books that had all different media in them. And I would hand, literally hand type media lists. Can you imagine? <laughs> and then we would be faxing news releases to newspapers. So whether you were one of those reporters or journos getting that news release, that's what we were doing. And today, not only has it changed that it's not just your journalists and producers and, um, you know, some of the traditional media that you would be wanting to build a relationship with, Think of it this way. There's so many influencers. There's bloggers. There's podcasters. There's live streamers, podcasters and live streamers together. There's Twitterati, Instagrammers, YouTubers. It's endless. And also influencers can be, they could be your own customers they, mm -hmm. who are your brand champion. They can be your employees. So any Social media gives um, the citizen journalist a platform. So that's why we could, we have so many different avenues to share a story and build a relationship. So for that reason, it's changed incredibly. And I think it's also changed um, the fact that I mentioned that story about how the intern and the team would be thinking about the media and communication would flow in and out of a communications department. 
that's not how social media works today. We certainly have a lot going in and out of our organizations in, in comms, but it's across the organization. I think that was one of the biggest changes too, that, wow, everybody wants to talk. You know, the other thing, you tell me what your philosophy is. Um, I don't think you asked me any questions when I asked you on the show, but my philosophy is when somebody asked me to come on a podcast or somebody asked me to do anything, like if they want me to write like a thousand word article, there's a cost involved unless it's, I mean, even if it's a New York Times, you know, we'll have to talk about that a little bit more. But, you know, for the most part, somebody asked me to come on a show or somebody asked me to be for me to be interviewed by them for an article. I always say yes. I, I don't have any discussion. I don't say, well, how many people read your stuff? How many people do this? How many people do that? I always do it because all those little things, in my mind at least, they add up, right? So if you're on every Absolutely. little blog, I mean, would you agree with that? Yes, yes, because you're seeing it as an opportunity <laughs> to get out there, right, and to make a connection. And wherever, you know, whatever community the, the podcaster has and wherever it's being streamed or even if it's on demand, that's just one more new community for you to stretch your own story and to share your thought leadership as well. So I like that because I think actually some of the best connections come out of these opportunities. Mm -hmm. But that's not how it used to be. When I first started in PR, I mean, people would have a big debate, right? I would I, Somebody was asking uh, for the CEO to do an interview or whatever or send a quote or something, and they would say, should we? Like, is it worth it? Should we spend time on this? Right? I mean, there, there used to be a lot more debate, at least from my perspective. Yeah. So, okay. If it is one thing that we should probably let everybody know yeah. is that when you are putting your thought leadership out there, whether it's your own brand and you're, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur or you are um, an organization, there has to be some kind of, you have to know what you're getting into and, and what you're aligning with. Because let's face it, if you're a public company and, you know, you're there's regulators and lawyers and groups like that, there's certain ways that you're going to want to communicate about your brand. So stories will be and media will be vetted a certain way for the entrepreneur. Well, I think we see it um, as an opportunity to it's another place to share. And as long as that whoever you're aligning with is not completely opposite of what you believe in or you know there's somebody that don't uphold your values you're okay right yeah I, I, that's kind of how i feel about it too so one of the reasons Deidre, i always talk about live streaming and how i love live streaming because we can't fake it or at least i mean you can fake it to an extent but you can't fake it for 40 minutes right if no, I'm a, no if, if i'm a jerk like you will see that i'm a jerk if i don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> People can tell, right? It's some time in the 40 minutes when we're talking. Um, but the, the, the thing that you just that crossed my mind when you were talking about that, for the companies that have to get things approved, and I get it, right? Like especially yes. highly regulated um, uh, verticals and that kind of thing. How does that work for them? So if a CEO comes on this show from that kind of um, vertical, um, can they do live streams or how do they, how can you help them or how can they help themselves? So, I mean, the answer is it, it depends always. Mm -hmm. um, I think it, it's an opportunity when, and I know this for a fact because I'm a podcaster and I have had certain CEOs on my podcast 
And they will literally have their teams show up to a pre-call. And there is a vetting process of the podcaster. They, they do want to know a certain, the, the topics, they don't always get the line of questioning and it's up to them to feel comfortable. And that's where, you know, your, your training comes in. If you're putting your executive out there, wherever you're putting them in this climate, you have to be prepared to answer questions maybe that you don't want to answer because it used to be you could show up anywhere with your talking points and your executive presence and everything would go great. But no matter what you uh, specialize in today, because it's a global pandemic, because it's an election, because there's climate change, you might be asked certain questions. So I do think that companies and industries that are highly regulated, they are going to be thinking and vetting and that's just the way that it is. So I experienced that with my media hat on as a show host and I understand that and I'm willing to give that information. Uh, mine is not a hardball type of podcast. It's kind right. of softball and it's more inspirational stories and what people are doing. I mean, I same here, right? We're not, I'm not grilling you on anything. Um, <laughs> I always, I didn't tell you this, I don't think before we went on air, but I think it's okay to disagree on some topics and just have a yes. good discussion about it. But again, like it's not, you know, not a hardball, like argumentative kind of show to begin with. And the other thing is it's, it's a very specific angle, right? So for example, yeah. we will probably not talk about politics. Like it has nothing to do with politics. Like, you know, every once in a while there's like an edge topic but we're not going to go very deep into top politics because that's not what most listeners and most viewers care about. What's interesting, when you just said that about the vetting, I actually had, and this was a, a, um, a podcast the other day, and they sent me some questions for consideration. And they said oh, for, for consideration. And I thought most of them were pretty good. And one was something about um, how is storytelling evolving? And honestly, we don't need any other person to talk about that specific question. Like everybody talks about that, right? Yes. We only have 30 minutes, like let's cover all the other questions. So I didn't mind and I kind of put them in my own words and we went off script a couple of times. And, you know, so it's I think it's OK because sometimes they, they give you better ideas, right? Absolutely. So, I mean, I've gotten the here's some topics for consideration. I've never gotten the questions. Although if I did, I don't think I would say, oh, no, now you can't come on my show. I welcome that. And I do think that people in general know that when they come on a show, there is no script. Just like what you said before, we might think we're going to talk about one thing. And, you know, like me, like you, if your guest shares something, you kind of jump down the rabbit hole <laughs> to right. find out more. So it makes for an interesting conversation. And it's always good when there's a little bit of difference going on, too. So Absolutely. Like why, why have a panel with five people if they all disagree with each other? That's uh, boring. <laughs> That's boring, right? It wouldn't so, be media. <laughs> so when we talk about um, tying in social media, so the one thing that comes to my mind, and this was not really truly business related, but, but I did get some PR on it because I was quoted in Vice. And the only reason I got quoted is because I was tweeting about the topic they were writing about. Right. And they said, oh, cool. Can we quote you? Or can I think maybe they called me and asked me a couple more questions. Um, but, you know, so it does work. And I've seen that from clients, too. They tweet about it or they they blog about it. I don't know if you call, consider blogging social media. I know there is different oh, tra trains of thoughts, uh, you know, a reporter Googles for a topic and they find that article. And now they go, hey, can you you know, I need a quote or I need somebody to explain this to my readers or my my viewers. 
Um, what are some other examples? How do you make social media work um, as it comes to PR? So that was a great example because I think what um, I, I have somebody that I'm working with and in the beginning, they really didn't want to be on Twitter. And, you know, they said, well, LinkedIn is really where my connections are. And I understand that, of course, they have to be on LinkedIn and, and build their community. But Twitter is about media. So just like the example you gave, you want to be on Twitter because when you're in these communities and you're sharing hashtags and you're sharing your thought leadership and tagging other people, that is an opportunity for somebody to notice you. Uh, the media clearly is on Twitter. And I've always said that media feeds social media. What happens in the media, everybody talks about on social media. And what's being talked about on social media, the more traditional media and outlets are looking at that, and then they're going to talk about it as well. So definitely an opportunity there. And you'd be surprised. Social media, I mean, it. you're, you're building your brand out there. You are engaging in ways that people find you. And when they do, they will go to your social media drives, to your website. And that's a, an opportunity for deeper engagement and to have them download or to have them purchase or to have them find out more information. So social media is a big driver to whatever it is that you do. And even just from a perspective of learning and professional development, you can learn so much through social media and the connections that you make, the mentoring that goes on. It's unbelievable. And, you know, on the professional development side, I, I will plug that I'm a LinkedIn learning instructor and I, you know, create courses for LinkedIn. And there's lots of courses and instructors and ways to learn. So social media is endless in how you can advance your, yourself as well as your stories. It's very true. And I'm going to see if I can pull this up here. I got a new computer, so I can't uh, screen share it as quickly as I'd like. But um, social media shows up pretty high now in, um, in search. My Twitter stream shows up above my website, right? And it is so I'm, I'm very cognizant of the things I say. Um, I, I want people to see them, right? I don't just go on there and talk about uh, stuff that can get me into trouble, even though sometimes I'm a little snarky. Uh, I think, the, you know, the other day I posted something about CMO announces we're now going to do webinars to stand out. And of course, everybody is doing <laughs> webinars. So that's not, you know, but um, I mean, that's another reason, right? Because social media is at the top of the search and podcasts. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that, but the podcasts are now they're starting to show up on the top as well. And you can listen to them directly in the search results. Absolutely. So any kind of uh, the podcasting, the video, that's all really good interactive content. It weighs higher in the organic search. So I think this is all really, really important because this is how people find you. And of course, whatever content you have, you wanna make sure you're appropriately tagging it or phrasing, describing so that whatever people are typing in, people who wanna find your business and what you do, they're gonna find it and it's gonna be higher in the search engines. So that's all yeah. good. Absolutely, So, but, but one way to show up, whether it's search, whether it's on social, is you have to talk about stuff. You can't just have your account sitting there 
and never say anything, right? I mean, what's right. your recommendation to get started and how, how often should you post and, and how do okay. you come up with content? So here's the thing, you know, showing up doesn't just mean a one-way style of informing. And I think that's that was the beginning of social media when brands were just putting their foot into it or entrepreneurs and business owners. It's more than just showing up and sharing, hey, this is what we're doing, or here's an event, or check this out, or purchase this. It's really understanding the people in the community doing a lot of monitoring and or listening. So that's how you start. You want to understand where people want to talk to you, number one. Uh, if they don't want you on Snapchat, you're not going to be there. Um, if they want you on Instagram, you should be there. And you do this or, or anywhere just by the monitoring, using social media monitoring so that you can carve out important conversations, especially if they're talking about you, especially if um, there's areas of your expertise that are being highlighted. You want to be able to jump in and lend your voice to important conversations. So I would say... It's understanding what are the communities, how do people like to share. So I saw so many brands back in the day, okay, let's jump on Twitter and just share our news releases. No, it, it has to be more than that. How are you um, engaging deeper? What sort of thought leadership can you share with people? Can you perhaps be involved in a Twitter chat where you're sharing thought leadership and answering questions? What are you going to do on those platforms? And I think that's an exercise for all brands, because once you understand where it is, where people want to engage, how they like to engage, then it's a matter of getting them the content, the carving out your pillars of thought leadership and what they would expect to receive and what they like to receive and then sharing and frequency. You know, there's all different times when there's peak performance on Twitter or when your uh, community are the most active. Same with LinkedIn, same with Facebook. It's kind of understanding best sharing times, but it's also looking back to see when was our engagement high and why and what were we doing? So I'm, I'm big on always before you start your next campaign and you're including social media, make sure you see what it is that you did right the last time and why people got excited, why they shared, why they drove over to your website, the traffic and engaged more. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting thing. And how long, I mean, how long should you plan? I always, uh, I mean, things change so quickly, right? So I always like to kind of, here's the plan, here's what we're trying to do, jump in, get some content, see what happens. Uh, and especially for executives, I mean, once you get into it, it's really not that difficult to get a lot of content. I mean, I think about it this way, if you're a CEO, and you might need help. I get it. And that's fine. Ask somebody on your team to make some notes. But I've been in meetings with CEOs before board meetings, and yeah. I got all kinds of social <laughs> posts that they could post later on. And none of them were confidential. None of them were the proprietary stuff. But they just say things, right, that you can right. use. Um, yeah. So it's not well, that difficult. Exactly. So that's the thing. Companies probably don't realize how much content they already have and how social media, if you just understand what people expect and how they want to receive it, just carve it up. 
so that it comes across in a way that's going to excite them or inform them or help them make a decision, whatever it is. So yes, there's lots of things that your CEOs or senior leaders are doing that you can capitalize on and optimize mm -hmm. through social media. And, you know, I also, I often talk about the cornerstone cobblestone approach that you okay. can use on social media, because whatever, whatever your marketing program is, whatever you're planning, that's um, a, a big, let's say initiative. And, and whether that means, oh, we're doing a study on something or, you know, it used to be, we're going to be at a big trade show like CES. Unfortunately now, because of the pandemic, we're, we're not doing that, but whatever that big thing is that you're doing, Think of it as, wow, how many different ways can I create videos around this? Can I create infographics or, you know, what can I share on Twitter? What about some visual cards with quotes or audio cards from interviews? That's the way to take whatever it is you're already doing and use your resources to carve it up to best reach people where they're going to be hanging out and they want to know what you're doing. Absolutely. And of course, that's a, that's the create once, publish everywhere model. And um, we had, I don't know if it was yesterday, the days kind of run together, quite frankly, <laughs> uh, maybe two days ago, Cruz Saunders from uh, A, uh, we talked about content intelligence, how you can do that in even a more structured way. I'm excited how, how that will evolve down the road. So let's say I'm out there, I'm, I'm sharing things, I'm, I'm doing all this stuff and and it's the best contents and sliced bread according to my marketing team and et cetera, et cetera. How, how will it lead to PR? Is it just kind of luck or how does it happen? So PR is sort of um, a part of what you're doing with your content because through your content, you're storytelling. So as those stories are going out there, part of PR's job is to make sure to see that they're resonating, to monitor the conversations, because it is about your reputation and how the public sees you and public confidence, especially if you're a public company. So PR's role is to keep their eyes and their ears close to the ground so that if anything were to bubble up, you would want to know. And then you'd be able to alert whoever it is at your company and prepare whatever proper responses are needed or jump in to solve some issues if things aren't going right. Because we see social media clearly, people will go on Twitter, they'll, they'll go on Facebook. So that's where PR is also there, helping to maintain and protect the brand as the storytelling is going on and as you're getting great coverage and you're engaging with people. And do you still have people, I mean, people used to say this to me all the time, oh, we don't go on Facebook because doctors are not on Facebook or whatever. And I mean, everybody's on, everybody's on social media, right? I mean, do you still have people argue that, that social media is not for their particular audience? So, <laughs> you know, not as much because whenever I heard that, whether it was a, a law firm who does estate planning and they're talking to older clients, right? I would always say, think of your law firm. Where does the best talent come from? Where is the best talent hanging out? So anybody who's coming out of law school, younger generations, all about technology, social media, LinkedIn, wherever they are, 
you're going to want to make sure that you're scouting them out and able to bring them into your firm and also to bring your firm along so that you are up to speed, you know, technologically. That's really important. So I don't hear as much anymore. Now, you can, of course, if there's no reason for your client to have a Facebook group, you're, you're not going to do that. Maybe it's a LinkedIn group, depending on the, the business. You, you just always want to make sure that you understand where their audience is and that they're maximizing time. Time is money. <laughs> so you're, you're maximizing that time because it is about the business. And we did have a show with uh, Eddie uh, uh, Garrett, I think. I don't remember his last name now, on Facebook groups. And I honestly, I personally find them horrible, just horrible. Um, how people talk in them from a business perspective, I can see why people want to do them. So if you're going to do a group, uh, guys out there, don't, I mean, really think about it. it. It can't get out of hand, even when they're all clients. So while you were talking about estate planning, I, I quickly hopped into Uber Suggest and just did a quick search on, on estate planning. And let me just give you the numbers here. Uh, per month in the United States, 22,000 searches for estate planning. Uh, wow. 15,000 searches, estate planning attorney. Um, <laughs> let's see. And the other ones, they're all kind of related. Um, so my point is, I mean, there is 40,000 searches almost just on Google alone. Uh, and we don't we haven't even touched Twitter yet or Facebook. So I bet you there's people who are talking about those topics on all those different channels. Absolutely. And if you're not there in some way, shape or form, you miss that opportunity. Because like you said, you know, the sure do websites rate high, they come up in the, mm -hmm. the SERPs, but so does the social media. And I do believe that, you know, depending on the business, people will look at you as a whole brand, and they will look at social media. So back in the day, it was like, you want to work with a company that's award winning, it's not just that, it's where else are they? What are they doing? How are they serving? And you get a fuller picture through social media. And the other thing is, especially now where Google is trying to serve up more social media results and podcast results as well. If yes. you're the only podcast that hits real estate, plan uh, estate planning or estate planning attorney, uh, that's a real opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah, you just hit the nail on the head because you are carving out your own little path and you will stand out that way. One of the reasons why I started my podcast, Women Worldwide, was, I mean, there were a couple reasons. One was because I saw how much women were being harassed and cyber bullied online. And mm -hmm. I always wanted to give a platform for women to share their voice and to know that there were others around them that had challenges. But I also noticed that at the time when I started, so Back in 2013, when I did my research, only 13% of podcasts had women hosts. So I thought, wow. And there weren't a lot of women podcasts then. So that's why I did that, because I was able to stand out in, in a way that maybe I wouldn't have captured in a saturated uh, community somewhere else. Yeah. Very, and give us the name of the podcast again. It's called Women Worldwide. Women Worldwide. Yes. So we are on iTunes, Google Play. We're also on Spotify. And I am on YouTube. So that, that's sort of new to us. I figured if, as long as we're recording, I'm on Zoom, might as well do the video and then put it out on YouTube. 
That's, I mean, I, I've, I've seen using video has been fantastic, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, and the other tip um, that I would like to share with you and everybody else, if you missed the episode uh, with Brandon Mulligan, I think, not the best with last names today here. Um, so Brandon started potpage.com. And basically, it puts your pod- podcast into one page together. And so even if you already have a page for your podcast, here's the other thing I loved about it. He has all the different podcast channels listed. So you have to put in the link, right, for all the different channels. And when I didn't have a channel, I would go to the network and I would add my podcast to iHeartRadio and TuneIn and Podchaser and Podcast Addict. And without him, I would have never known that there's like 20 channels. So um, awesome. I think I'm going to have to do that. What what is it called? It's one podpage.com. Podpage. dot com. Definitely you. would recommend it. Cool. Um, awesome. Great discussion. Um, I hope people check out your book. Um, you, and you have another book coming up? Yes. Thank you. Thank you for mentioning that. So it's called Answers for Ethical Marketers. And I just think it's so important now that we you know, really focus on ethics and values in our companies and that it goes, you know, our communication upholds ethical conduct through all of our channels. Absolutely. And so how does uh, writing a book fit into uh, PR? (laughs) So, well, PR, we're all storytellers and and good writers, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'd like to think. So I started my journey publishing back in 1999. Uh, My first book was with Prentice Hall. And since then, I'm on business book number seven, but I also wrote a children's book with my husband. So that's huh. that's book number eight. It's called The Whisper from Noel. And it's in tribute to our daughter who passed away. And all the proceeds go to charity. Well, certainly I, I'm on my third book that published earlier this year, Content Performance Culture. Uh, and again, you know, it fits in with everything because now you can say author. And I think I even put that in the description. <laughs> author Deidre Brecken, uh, Breckenridge is joining us. Uh, it does add a little bit to the, you know, authority, I guess, on a topic. Yeah, if you credibility. Have a book I mean, that's important. It's it's credible. You know, it, it's part of your package. It elevates your brand. When I wrote my first book, um, I was very young as an agency owner. I looked young and I would walk into the boardroom with my two partners and they were both in their late 20s. I was a little bit older and the executives would look at us and say, where's the team of executives? And we would say we're here and we would put our books on the boardroom table and then they would take us seriously. So really help with thought leadership. Right. Absolutely. And you always bring a copy. Deidre, it was great to talk with you about the topic today. Thanks for sharing your insights. Good luck with the next book. I really appreciate you making the time. Thank you so much. It was great to be with you. Fantastic. Thanks everyone for listening and watching. Until next time. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win. Stories win.